0: This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. It's another spotlight day on Fish in Paul Bunyan Country, where we take a very close look at one of the premier waters in Paul Bunyan Country. This time, it's Mille Lacs. The Lacks Area Fishery Supervisor Tom Heinrich has the details coming up. I'll turn the lake into a big old theirs. I never use theirs. The 20 pound tails. If you're fishing bad. with me, you fishing with the
1: best. And if you're not, who is here?
0: This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored in part by Bemidji State University. You can pursue your passions with a world-class education in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods. The drive to acquire deeper knowledge and develop greater wisdom is already in your nature. So join us on the shores of Lake Bemidji. Minnesota's premier Northwoods University can help you make the world a better place than you found it. Learn more at BemidjiState.edu and schedule a tour today. BemidjiState.edu. Hi, this is Nate Blazing with the Missile Guide League, and you're listening to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoor. Well, once again, we are doing our annual visit around Paul Bunyan Country, putting the spotlight on some of the uh, premier lakes in the area. One of those is certainly Mille Lacs, and Tom Heinrich is the Mille Lacs area fishery supervisor, which means you basically cover Mille Lacs, right, Tom?
1: Yep, yep, we were kind of unique, you know, in the world of fisheries that uh, we only have one lake, and uh, so we are able to focus all of our energy on Mille Lacs.
0: Well, it's a big body of water, it probably needs that kind of energy.
1: Yes, it does, you know, and uh, as you know, there's a lot of issues around Malax, Lacs, and, um, you know, we get to devote all of our time to dealing with those.
0: Okay, well, let's start off with the fact that uh, we finally more or less have our waters open. I know you said there's still some ice floating in a couple of places, but by and large, we're in pretty good shape now, and you guys are able to get out there and do some things.
1: Yeah, you know, um, until, geez, probably about the weekend, you know, we still had a fair bit of ice, and then we got some big winds, and that broke it all up. So on some of the bays on the western side of the lake, there's a little bit of ice, but I'm pretty sure that's going to be gone by the opener.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, Tom, as we get ready for the uh, the opener and we get ready for the early part of the season, uh, one of the things that a lot of people are buzzing about is the fact that there will be no catch and release window. I mean, basically, once the walleye opener is uh, underway, people will be able to catch limit whatever that limit is set at for the entire season.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, based on some of the stuff that uh, happened last year, you know, last summer, for instance, and, you know, even into the winter, we had some pretty slow fishing, and that saved a lot of fish, and um, and so what the modeling showed is that our population is maybe up a little bit higher, and, um, and the fish have grown fatter. You know, we've got a good um, um, forage base out there right now. We've managed to pull off a couple of good perch year classes, which was really the cause of the poor fishing. You know, the, it's not like the numbers of fish were down. But in any case, uh, we've got a little bit more spawning stock biomass out there. And, um, you know, we were able to uh, get a bit of a higher safe harvest level this year. And that resulted in uh, higher quotas for the state fishery. And um, with the anticipated catches that we're going to have this year and, uh, you know, combined with the higher quota, I think uh, we're going to be in really good shape. And so we were able to offer... A harvest opportunity all summer long now you know of course the caveat to that is that if something weird happens on the lake which it can um that uh, we would have to be restrictive again you know as we approach our quota so what uh is the
0: the limit going to be this year
1: well the limit this year is going to be uh one walleye between uh, 21 and 23 inches or if you happen to catch one over 28 you can catch you can keep that so uh so what it's a one fish bag limit and um, yeah, so that's that's what we're anticipating throughout the entire open water season.
0: Okay, and yeah, there are plenty of walleye in that lake, no question about it. It's uh, it's a lake that's really abundant in a lot of species, uh, Tom. In fact, uh, it's a it's a destination lake for muskie. It's definitely a destination lake for smallmouth bass. One of the premier waters for smallmouth bass in America.
1: Absolutely, you know we've got uh, we've got a pretty good diverse fish population here that anglers are really interested in and uh, you know in terms of muskies we manage those under the statewide regs which are of course geared to producing trophies but um, the malac specific regs for northern pike as well as um, uh, smallmouth bass are also geared to uh, maintaining a really high fish quality fish population so in other words big individuals and uh, you know the reason i mentioned northern pike is that um, you know we do have the State catch and release record for northern pike now as well as you know the catch and releases and harvest records for muskies you know and uh, and unfortunately northerns are just a species that seems to be overlooked by a lot of anglers for their trophy potential here
0: yeah i mean uh there aren't that many lakes where you can get trophy uh, northerns this is one of them and it seems to be a lot of them swimming in there
1: yeah you know um Uh, You know, I mentioned earlier that we were doing a big population estimate on uh, walleye and northern pike this year. And as a result of that, we were out, um, you know, sampling in a, you know, a very large number of northerns this spring. And, um, I was pretty impressed by the size structure, you know. The way I look at northern pike is, you know, the percentage of fish, the percentage of the females that are over 500 or over 40 inches long, rather. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, the percentage of females that we have that are that large, you know, really rivals the best pike fisheries in the, in the state
0: that's uh that's you know a great story, and I hear great stories about big northerns all the time in that lake and I tell you it's uh it's it's something that you'd think people would go after, uh, especially since it's been a long time since most lakes have had those kind of those kinds of sizes in them.
1: yeah I, I agree you know uh, you know a northern pike is kind of our overlooked stepchild here you know in the state in general and um, yeah I think people are really missing out an opportunity. By not targeting those things,
0: they they definitely are, and of course, like, as you mentioned, you got a couple of state rector muskies too. So we know there's big muskies running around in those waters.
1: Oh yeah, you know that's that's really a bonus fish, you know, and um, and uh, you know we are looking at doing some things with muskie management, you know, but uh, you know we're we're not really sure at this point what direction we're going to go with that.
0: How did uh, this this lake become such a smallmouth factory?
1: How did it become a smallmouth factory? Well, that's that's kind of a really good question, and um, I think there's a couple of things that happened. You know, um, smallmouths tend to do fairly well in clear water, um, which isn't necessarily advantageous to northern to uh, walleye rather. Mm-hmm. And um, in the mid 1990s, the lake suddenly cleared up, and I think that was the result of uh, some legislation that was enacted back in the early 70s, the Clean Water Act. You know, basically, people had to clean up their septic systems. So had fewer nutrients going into the lake, and um, that was that was kind of the, the first step. Um, I think the lake has probably always had a few smallmouth bass, you know, kind of a remnant population, but when that happened, you know, the population started to expand. And then, uh, of course, we got an invasion of zebra mussels into the lake, and um, whenever you have an invasion of zebra mussels, and this isn't unique to Malax, you tend to have a population increase in, in smallmouth bass. And that's just the way that energy, food energy, kind of tends to flow through the system. You know, it tends to favor smallmouth bass over something like walleye.
0: And they've sure taken advantage of it to the tune of, again, being proclaimed nationally as one of the premier um, smallmouth fisheries in America.
1: Absolutely. You know, we um, we try to do a smallmouth bass survey every year. Um, this year we can't just because we've got other obligations, uh, for some of our other big sampling programs. But uh, Last year when we sampled a bunch of smallmouth bass, we found that uh, over half of our sample was 17 inches and longer. Now those, those are some pretty amazing sizes of, of fish, you know, including fish up over 20 inches. That's, that's a really high-quality smallmouth bass population.
0: Really is. And, uh, and of course, um, you know, you've, you're getting a lot of action and a lot of tournaments and, and a lot of people fishing them any concerns uh, about too much pressure on them or is there just enough room and enough uh enough of them in there to not work make that be a concern
1: you know some of the real hardcore bass anglers you know they are concerned about that um i'm not the um there just isn't really a harvest culture around smallmouth bass you know there there's a few you know obviously that get harvested every year but uh, but people just tend to be very walleye focused you know when they're harvesting fish and um you know, in fact, last year during our krill survey, you know, I mean, we're interviewing a few thousand people. They never once saw a single person that had harvested a smallmouth bass. It, it just doesn't happen. You know, and at the same time, even if they do happen to harvest some, you know, the regulations that we've got in place are designed to maintain that high quality size structure. And um, I, I think the, the very minimal harvest that we have on these things isn't hurting things.
0: Mille Lacs Area Fishery Supervisor Tom Heinrich is giving us the latest on Mille Lacs. Much more water to cover next.
1: I'm Rob Rosedale, proud to help educate Kevin Jackson on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors.
0: Get away and experience Bemidji's great outdoors. Discover the first city on the Mississippi with the whole family and enjoy unique lodging, encouraging hospitality, and great adventures in a pristine Northwoods setting. With over 400 lakes for fishing, more than 160 miles of bike trail, and amazing campsites, Bemidji is a unique destination to create lasting memories. Go to visitbemidji.com. Bemidji I'm Bruce Jean, and this is Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. The spotlight is on Malax. Tom Heinrich is here with the details. Let's talk a little bit about overall. We we, we did mention the zebra mussels. Any other concerns on Malax right now?
1: Any other concerns? Well, not really. You know, I mean, we haven't had any major uh, you know changes. You know that um, that I you know I'm aware of. The um, we do have um, a couple of good year classes of perch coming up. You know, and that's probably going to impact our walleye fishery a little bit. Um, In terms of what anglers can expect around opening day, I think we're still going to have good fishing. It's probably not going to be, you know, super lights out fishing, but uh, I think people are going to be able to catch fish. Uh, The walleye are are still spawning right now, and um, I think by Friday they'll probably be done, you know, with some of the weather that's coming in. You know, the water's going to warm up, but, um, you know, they should be putting the feed bag on pretty good, you know, in their post-spawn, and uh, I think anglers are going to have some pretty good success, you know, initially at least.
0: So zebra mussels certainly clear up the water, as we noted, and it, it, it changes things. It changes where fish are, where and how fish behave. Does it certainly seem to change the populations? Any? Um, have you kind of got where you're going to be with a with the zebra mussels? Do you feel, or is there a still more clearing that's going to be coming down the pipe?
1: Well, to no, know, it's that's another really good question because um, um, one of the folks you know, that, that works for the DNR, does do an annual uh, zebra mussel survey, and so we can gauge the relative abundance through time, and uh, right now zebra mussel abundance is, oh, I think it's like one-third of what it was in the peak, so our peak abundance took place in 2012, In the last couple of years, it's, it's been down. And that's not unusual for any kind of an invasive species you know they tend to um, come into a system um, if the system is suitable for them they take off that population just explodes it peaks and then it comes down to some um, some level that you know we would call carrying capacity and I think that's maybe where we are now you know I'm not sure that the decline is is complete but um, certainly a good sign and um, the the other thing that we see is that our, it seems like our zooplankton population so the little beasties that are out there swimming around and eating algae those things um uh, the abundance of those guys seems to have increased a little bit over time too as the zebra mussels population has gone down and and that may be a contributing factor to you know some improved ear classes and perch you know that we've seen
0: mm-hmm. Well, the the lake, of course, is, is a legendary lake, unquestionably, and uh, it gets a lot of pressure. Um, is the pressure pretty steady? Is it going up? Is it going down? What are you seeing out there?
1: Well, what we're seeing is that uh, when we have really good fishing, you know, and, uh, I mean, we had just absolutely spectacular fishing in 2019, and we had very high pressure all through the summer that year. Uh, last year, on the other hand, when fishing was slower, you know, uh, our pressure was was certainly down. So... You know, anglers being anglers, they're very much uh, dialed into what's going on in a particular lake, and um, and they respond to good fishing as well as poor fishing. So last year, the fish, you know, fishing was poor, so our pressure was a little bit down. Um, I, I anticipate uh, this year that, um, you know, pressure should be, I don't know, near maybe some kind of a long-term average just with the harvest opportunity that we have this year.
0: Okay. Well, um the lake has has of course been a bit controversial in the past, um, and I know that uh, you you still work with multiple agencies to, to make, figure it all out. Um, what what is the what is the goal we're trying to accomplish each year with Mille Lacs?
1: The goal that we have with Mille Lacs each year. Well, the goal is to make sure that we don't overharvest our fish population. Uh, Mille Lacs being a lake that's very close to the Twin Cities, as I mentioned <clears throat> when. Um, when fishing is really good, anglers respond in a hurry, and um, so the goal with all of the management work that we do on Malax is to um, set a safe harvest level that uh, isn't going to overstress our, our walleye population and um, you know allow for basically all of our user groups to um, you know to participate in the lake in a safe manner. Okay, um, this uh,
0: this upcoming season is coming is a year in which I I heard spotty reports. And I think you talked about this earlier, the spotty reports from the winter, meaning there wasn't a lot of harvest or not a typical ice fishing harvest, right?
1: Right. Um, you know, and I think the, the big reason is um, our forage abundance. You know, um, anglers, when they come to Mille Lacs, they frequently think if they're catching a lot of fish that our fish population is just way high. So not catching fish, then, you know, the assumption is that it's really low. It doesn't really spawn that well. Uh, or there's really not a good correlation between angling catch rates and and walleye abundance on this lake. Um the really good correlation is between angling catch rates and forage abundance. And uh, right now we've got um, a pretty good number or a you know, pretty good number of uh, forage sized yellow perch in the population. And so that's what's kind of held our catch rates down a little bit. Now, I think that's actually good news for the future. You know, because we haven't had good perch year classes since oh geez, about 2009, and um, and I think the abundance of perch um, that we're seeing right now, while it's kind of holding um, walleye catch rates a little lower than um, than what anglers would like to see, I think it's really good for the future in terms of uh, especially our ice fishery, because perch used to be a huge component in our ice fishery, and as that uh, perch population declined, our you know there there just has been very little perch harvest during the winter, so. Anglers have to be aware that, you know, there's a, there's a good side and a bad side to all of these things.
0: Yeah, it's, it's all very, very complicated, of course. Uh, but I think if you look around the history of uh, lakes, uh, good perch populations bode well for everything because it's not only is it a sport fish, uh, it's also key food for pretty much every other fish.
1: Absolutely. You know, and that's particularly the case, the, the, the case on Malax. You know we, we have, um, you know, we have shiner populations, we have spot-tail shiners out here, but uh, the way that, what really drives the fishery is the abundance of yellow perch, you know, and that just um, speaks to their importance in the food web. We'll
0: wrap it up with Tom Heinrich next.
1: Hi, this is Chuck Hasse on Paul Bunyan
0: Country Outdoors, doing my part to keep Kev Jackson employed for another year. If you love the outdoors and are looking for ways to align your education with future employment in the trades, Northwest Technical College in Bemidji is for you. Explore state-of-the-art technical education in six career paths, automotive, building trades, business, health, childcare, and manufacturing technology, all in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and, of course, limitless forests. The shortest path to your dream job and a good bite is at NTC, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. I'm Chuck Hasse, a Leisure Outdoor Adventures, and you're listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. My guest today is Mille Lacs Area Fishery Supervisor Tom Heinrich. It's a lot of fun to get out there fishing after a long winter. This was a long winter. As we mentioned, there wasn't a lot of pressure. And it was very frustrating for anglers to get onto the, uh, into, onto the water or onto the ice on a lot of lakes. Um, I don't know if you got record snowfall. I know Brainerd, which is fairly close to you, had record snowfall. How is that going to affect all that water, going to affect or with the, the sheer size of that lake, does it maybe not?
1: Yeah, it, it's probably going to affect it. You know, um, and I mentioned that we were doing, a, you know, a northern pike population survey, and uh, one of the ways that we try to catch these things is um, through trap nets stuck in the streams early on. And when we got those 80-degree temperatures, you know, a few weeks back, and all of that water just melted at once, you know, we had a very hard time fishing our nets in any kind of moving water just because the water levels came up so much. So I think that isn't going to probably have a, any kind of an impact that we can measure on our walleye or perch populations. But I think that whenever we have high runoff like this, you know, we're probably going to see, a you know, a decent uh, northern pike um, year class coming up this year just because they had access to spawning sites that uh, maybe they didn't have access to in the last several years with the lower water levels
0: okay well the uh, it's it's one of the again premier fisheries I know you're gonna have a lot of people out there early and, and, and it'll be I think probably uh, a little busier uh, as the season goes on since you at, at this point anyway uh, have a a full season of catch that um, uh, there's not that catch and release people will be able to keep that uh, if they if they luck into that 21 to 23 they'll be able to keep them
1: Absolutely. You know, I mean, I'm hearing a little bit of excitement around, uh, you know, the community in terms of, you know, uh, being able to actually harvest the fish again. You know, the the other thing is that in the last several years, um, just in order to make sure that we stay within our quota, that we've had a July uh, shutdown where you couldn't fish for walleye during during July, and we tended to focus that on the first half of July. And so now not only do we ha- not have the shutdown, we don't have the catch and release, you know, requirement, and in uh, that 4th of July, you know, two-week period, the first half of July, um, the anglers are going to be able to go out there and harvest their walleye if they would like, and, and that's been a pretty popular change.
0: Okay, all right. Um, well, as we look at Malax here, and you give it the overall picture, if you were a teacher and Malax was your student, what grade would you give it right now?
1: <laughs> well, I'd like to say I'd like to give it an A. <laughs> um, well, you know, and um, I think, you know. Maybe we ought to grade this thing on a curve, you know, and um, and I think what's going on right now is Malax is producing um, to the extent that it can possibly produce given the limitations that we have in, uh, in nutrients in the lake. Um, I think people got used to, in the past to having um, a huge walleye population in the lake, uh, which was probably artificially high, you know, because mm-hmm. we had um, a lot of nutrients flowing in the lake that are no longer flowing in right now. And, um, and, and I think that the lake is actually in very good shape right now. You know, we're seeing up to 15-year classes in our walleye population, uh, which is, you know, certainly, you know, an indicator that the population is healthy. We've got an excellent smallmouth bass fishery. We've got, uh, you know, an excellent potential northern pike fishery if, you know, people want to take advantage of it. You know, and we're producing some, some really, really big muskies. And all of those are really popular with anglers, so I would I would give it a pretty high grade. Okay. Not
0: willing to say A, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it an A-. How's that? All right. That because the good. angler expectations are so high for this lake. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
0: Um, let's see. Is there anything else you think people need to know about as we get ready for fishing on another year?
1: Oh... Um, there's, there's some, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that we produced a good year class of walleye last year. Um, you know, we're seeing, um, some of those fish that are in that seven to eight inch range. Uh, we've seen that in our spring surveys, which really aren't targeting those fish. Um, anglers were reporting them to us all winter long through the creel survey. So I think there's at least a decent year class of, uh, walleye coming up. So, um, yeah, we'll see how that bodes for the future.
0: All right, Tom Heinrich is the area fishery supervisor out of the Mille Lacs office, talking about Mille Lacs Lake, certainly one of the gems in Paul Bunyan country. And, and before we wrap it up, let me, let me just ask you one uh, more question. How, um, I, I mean, it's, it's a challenge, I'm sure. There's a lot of different people with a lot of different um, ideas of what needs to be done, and you're in the middle of it. Uh, how do you deal with that?
1: How do I deal with that? Well, my goal has always been to be completely honest with people, um, give them the uh, best science you know um, that we have, and um, and and really try to stop the rumor mill. I think that's you know pe- people appreciate you know honesty, and uh, I, I've been approached by a lot of people that have you know misinformation you know. No matter where they picked it up, might have been picked up off the web, might have been picked up off of a bar stool somewhere, but they just don't understand. And um, when they come to me, for the most part, they, um, you know, when I explain things, how they work on the lake, when I explain what our survey shows, you know, the trends through time, I think they appreciate that, and uh, they go away with a better understanding of uh, how this lake functions and what the lake can actually produce.
0: Tom, I really appreciate your time today, and uh, we will talk again down the road. In the meantime, I hope everybody has a great opener, whether they're on Malax or any other lake. Thanks, Tom.
1: You're very welcome, Kev.
0: Well, that's it for today. We still have several other legendary lakes to put in the spotlight, plus Isaiah Hahn, Matt Brewer, and Jason Free later this week, and we already have National Walleye Tour champion John Hoyer on the books for next week. Thanks for stopping by today. We'll check back tomorrow. Fishin' in country.